morning. God bless you, Brother Clark Copeland. Praise the Lord, everybody. You can be seated just for a second. I want to give honor to God. Thank God for his mercy, his grace, for allowing me to be here this morning. Um, so cool to be here in this church. I've heard so many stories about it. And I know you guys know it, but this is a very historical and legendary church. And um, I've enjoyed being able to look at all the things on that back wall there. Um, appreciate your pastor and his family for letting me stay with them. Uh, their kids have been good friends to me, the Peyton and Sister Paisley. I appreciate them. Um, I'm just so honored to be here today, and I've really had a good time with the young people. Had a good service Friday and um, had fun hanging out with them this weekend. Uh, we came in last night. They were having a prayer meeting, and uh, we came in the back door, and they were getting it. Um, and I'll tell you, praying young people is a very valuable asset to a church. It really, really is. It can, it can change a lot of things. Um, I'm going to be brief in Jesus' name, um, but I do have something I want to speak about. Uh, I feel that there's some people here today, God has given you some promises. Um, there's promises in the Word of God that are for all of us, um, and I know we're in a tough time. I know we don't know everything that's going to happen, but I want you to know that the promises of God on your life are still yea, and they are still amen. And if God told you he's going to do something, God's still going to do it. Is there anybody that believes that this morning? Let's stand for the reading of the word. Go to Isaiah chapter 37. Isaiah 37, I'll be reading verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, And it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it, that he rent his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, and to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amaz. Verse 3 says, And they said unto him, You're going to be hearing this scripture a lot today. Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble, and of rebuke, and of blasphemy. For the children are come to the birth, and there's not enough strength to bring forth. The children are come to the birth, and there's not enough strength to bring forth. The Lord will help me. I'm going to be preaching for a few minutes on this subject. Enough strength to birth your promise. Enough strength to birth your promise. And if we could lay our Bibles down, let's lift our hands all over this house one more time and lift our voices. Pray that the Holy Ghost would connect us and that the Word of God would do what it needs to do in this house today. In the name of Jesus, I need you, God. I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to be in this house. Come on, somebody help me pray right now. In the name of Jesus, God, we're nothing without your Spirit, God. We're nothing without your presence. In the name of Jesus, Hallelujah. If you're going to help me preach this morning, you can be seated. In our text that I read for you this morning, uh, we see that the people of God are in a bad spot. We've got to go to 2 Kings chapter 18 to find the backstory uh, to this, to see exactly what led them to this point. 
The Bible says that Hezekiah has been a good king. It said that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. And verse 7 says that the Lord was with him and he prospered him whithersoever he went forth. So he's telling us whatever uh, the king did, the Lord was with him. And wherever he went, God went with him. Um, and the Bible says that he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. So this chapter goes on to detail how this conflict began to develop between Hezekiah and the king of Assyria. The Bible says that the king of Assyria attacks uh, Samaria and conquered them. And it says that he carried the people of God away captive. And he decided, you know, that went pretty good. So I'm just going to keep attacking and keep seeing what I can do. Uh, so he begins marching through Judah, taking city after city. And the Bible says he took a total of 46 cities until finally it seems that Hezekiah cannot take it anymore. And the Bible says that this is the message that Hezekiah sent to the king of Assyria. He said, I have offended. Return from me that which thou puttest on me I will bear so he's saying uh, I'll pay tribute to you uh, and the king of Assyria appointed unto Hezekiah king of Judah 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold so not only does Hezekiah surrender and not only is he put to tribute by the Assyrian king but verse 15 records that Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was in the king's house and he gave him all the treasures that were found in the king's house and on top of this Hezekiah literally goes into the temple and cuts the gold off of the doors of the temple and cuts the gold off of uh, the doors in the temple and handed it all over to the king of Assyria. So not only does Hezekiah surrender and not only is he put to tribute by the king, uh, but what you will see uh, happen next is what always happens when you make a deal with the enemy. The king of Assyria got his army and he headed straight for Jerusalem. And I want to stop right here and say something. Don't ever think that you'll get the devil to leave you alone by making a deal with him. Him. Don't ever think that you giving up a blessing from God or giving up something that God has given you is the way to get the devil to leave you alone. I want you to know that the devil will not stop until he has taken everything that he can from you. And if you give the devil an inch in your life, he will take a mile. And it may seem like a small thing that he's asking for. I've been through this in my life. It seems like, oh, you know, I just don't have to pray today. I'm tired and I've worked hard. But what you don't realize is he's not after just your prayer for that day but he's after your prayer life as a whole and it's not just that he's saying you know you don't have to raise your hands and you don't have to get involved in the service but what you don't realize is that he's after your praise and he's after your worship and he's after your walk with God and he's after your consecration that's why Paul wrote neither give place to the devil don't make a deal with the devil I'm telling you you'll always end up giving up a lot more than you ever thought you would why something like compromise is such a slippery slope because you back up on one thing and, and then there's there all these other things that you open the door up to. I want you to know that you ought to thank God for a pastor who stands firm and the truths that he has found in the word of God. Come on now, you ought to thank God for a pastor who is obedient to the word of God, who teaches you the convictions that God has laid on his heart. So this great army is standing at Jerusalem We've got to piece the details together from three different passages. 
Um, I know nobody's going to look this up, but I'll give it to you anyways. It's in 2 Kings 18, 2 Chronicles 32, and Isaiah 36, in case you were wondering. Um, but 2 Chronicles lets us know that at the beginning of this battle, Hezekiah was not afraid. Uh, it's like he seemed confident and he seemed comfortable. The Bible says that he spoke comfortably to the people saying, don't be afraid because the Lord will fight for us. But even though Hezekiah is trying to rally his people uh, and, and unify them together, the enemy pulled out uh, one of the devil's favorite tricks, which is the trick of division. We know God loves unity and the devil and the enemy loves division. So the king of Assyria begins to taunt the people. Uh, you know, who does your king think he is trying to make you rely on God and saying that God will fight your battles and telling you that God will deliver you? And he begins to blaspheme and curse the nation of the Lord and and telling them that no uh, God of any country before has been able to stop them and that their God would be no different and he begins to talk bad about the king and he begins to try to rally the people and join his side and go against their king and I want to tell you that if any person ever comes in here and tries to undermine your pastor or tries to set you at odds with your pastor I want you to know that you better rebuke those people and you better flee in the name of Jesus I want you to know that it doesn't matter if they're your friend it doesn't matter who they are it does not matter if they are a preacher it does not matter what their last name is if any person tries to set you at odds with your pastor they are not your friend and they are not their pal but what they are is being used as a tool of division in the hand of the enemy Come on now, you better not allow somebody to badmouth your pastor. You better not allow somebody to undermine your man of God. Amen. We know that God will never use division in the church. God does not use division. So he tries to cause division among the people of God. Um, and he sent Eliakim and Shebnon to the man of God. And they said, this is what Hezekiah says. This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy. Because the children are come to the birth, but there's just not enough strength to bring forth. You know, right here at the precipice, right here at the deciding moment, right here at the defining moment, it seems that defeat is certain. And right here when it looked like God was finally going to work in the way that he wanted, we wanted him to, and God was going to work in a way that, that he's been wanting to work. And there's three obvious lenses of frustration that I can see the king uh, looking at this situation. I can see him being frustrated by reminders of past failures, uh, fear of giving in to the enemy. The Bible says that he did hand over the treasures that were found in the king's house, and he did go into the temple, and he did cut the gold from, from uh, the temple pillars and the doors, and he did hand them over to the king of Assyria. Uh, and no matter how bad or good your past is, the devil will always try to find something in your past to use against you. I can also see him being frustrated by the memory of what he'd done right, that it just had not been enough. The Bible did say he was a good king. Uh, the Bible did say he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, did. Uh, but, but I can see him being frustrated. How did this happen? It seemed that everything had been going so good. And I can also see him being frustrated by the timing of God. You know, God, how could you fail me at this moment when I really needed you to step in and work? And right here when I decided this is the moment that you need to step in. And, and this is where we often get it confused and we 
think we know we've reached the last point when God uh, should step in and intervene. But I want to remind you this morning that his ways are still much higher than our ways. And we don't have to understand everything that's going on. And just because he didn't step in right when you thought he should have stepped in, that does not mean that he's not going to come through for you. And I want you to know that this morning he's still an on-time God. And he's still a deliverer. And he's still a way maker. And he's still a provider. And if he told you he's going to do something, he is still able to do it. Clap your hands if you believe that. Amen. You can be seated. So Hezekiah takes a long, hard look at his life, all the circumstances that are around him. And you can see by the words that he's using that he is at the point of giving up. He says, uh, we just don't have the strength to birth this promise. It just doesn't seem that we're going to be able to do it. Um, and the Bible records that uh, the prophet prophesies victory, and that is what happened. They woke up to 185,000 dead people in the camp, and God fought the battle for them. But once again, I want to go back to this text that says, The children are come to the birth, but there's not enough strength to bring forth. This uh, question, uh, this doubt is not necessarily answered by the words of the Lord, but it's answered by the actions of the Lord. Uh, but this doubt that, that the king and the people uh, showed the Lord and displayed to the Lord, it is not something that would quickly be forgotten. If you go 29 chapters later, we find the very last prophecy recorded in the book of Isaiah. This is Isaiah 66, and this is the Lord speaking through Isaiah, speaking about giving birth to a promise. Uh, verse 8 says, Who hath heard such a thing, or who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. And this is what I want you to notice. This is the important part. This is Isaiah under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost as he's pinning what the Lord is putting in his spirit. Uh, this is a quote that he had heard from Hezekiah. It's almost a direct quote that he had heard all these chapters before. This is the Lord speaking. Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? Shall I bring forth and shut the womb, saith my God? So in a way that we understand, after all this this time do you still doubt my ability after all the miracles I've worked and after all the times that I've healed you and after all the times I've delivered you do you still doubt my promises I want to ask you a question this morning do you think that God can make a promise that he cannot keep do you think God can make a promise that he cannot keep? I don't believe he can. I want you to know that he will not bring us this far just to forsake us when he needed, when we needed him the most. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will not turn his back on you. He has not forgotten about you. Amen. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 says, the Word was made flesh. So we know that God and His Word are one and the same. God is inseparable from His Word. So when the Word of God goes forth, He is incapable of not performing what He said He was going to do. When the word of God goes forth, he is incapable of not bringing it to pass. And this is what I wanted to say this morning. This is what I've been feeling uh, in prayer. I feel that there are people here this morning who have begun to question whether or not God will perform what he said he was going to do. And there's people here, you've got promises from the Lord. There are so many promises in the word of God that are for every person in this building. But there's people, you've got promises about a financial blessing or promises that God is going to bring your life 
lost loved ones home or promises that God is going to show you his plan in your life or that he's going to do things in your life. And God, I know you're a provider, but but I just have so many needs. And and God, it seemed like I had faith, but we've got this coronavirus going on and and people are losing their minds and I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I came this morning with the word from the Lord to tell you if God said he's going to do it, God is still going to do it. Come on, I don't know if you heard me or not. I said, if God said he's going to do it, God's going to do it. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? And the Bible says, God, that cannot lie, promise before the world began. When God gives you a promise, you can take it straight to the bank. He is not a man that he should lie. But I want you to know that the devil is still a liar. The Holy Ghost is for you, and deliverance is for you and healing is for you and righteousness is for you if God said he's gonna do it I believe God's gonna do it worship him right now hallelujah hallelujah come on he's able he's faithful somebody can get a breakthrough right now come on let's worship if God said he's gonna do it he's faithful he's just he hasn't forgotten you he hasn't forgotten his promises hallelujah Hallelujah. Be seated. With that in mind, I want to look at the promise that mankind was waiting for in the book of Acts. Jesus had gone back into heaven and he had told them, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. It was a promise. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, And being assembled together with them, uh, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Verse 5 says, John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Skipping to verse 8, it says, Ye shall receive power. This is still speaking of the promise. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So they're waiting for the promise. They're waiting to see uh, what this Holy Ghost thing is going to be all about. In Acts 2, we see the fulfillment of the promise. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Verse 2 says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven like as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Verse 3, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Verse 4, this is the fulfillment of the promise. This is what they have been waiting on. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance so the Holy Ghost falls on this group of people and there's all these people here who do not understand what's going on it's a very diverse group of people if you could put verse 8 up it says there were Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia Judea Cappadocia Pontus Asia it goes on and on Phrygia and Pamphylia Egypt, the parts of Libya, about Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. So just saying there's tons of people here. They're all confused. They're all trying to figure out what is going on. And they say these men are drunk with wine. And, and I don't understand why they're drinking. It's not even noon yet. Uh, but the Bible says that Peter stood up and under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, he began to preach and say, these men are not drunk as ye suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he said, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out a 
of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters they're going to prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and he keeps preaching and he keeps saying things like hey you remember that Jesus who was here the one who you said was just a good teacher and the one who you said was just a miracle worker and the one that you crucified and the one that you killed I want you to know that he was Lord and and he is Christ and they heard the preaching and the Bible says that they were pricked and their heart and they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do and it's 2020 and the world is nuts and we don't know what's going on but the answer has not changed then Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost the promise is not just for the people back then but the promise is for every person who is in this building this morning there are people who have allowed the devil to convince them that the Holy Ghost is not for them uh, but the Bible says the promise is unto you and to your children and to everybody who has lived a sinless life is that what it says the promise is unto you and to your children and to everybody who has enough money the promise is unto you and to your children and to everybody who's got the right last name. No, but the Bible says that the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And then the Bible says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And the Bible says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but the that all should come to repentance. Repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost is for you. And I want to stop just for a minute and say something. I won't be long on this. I just feel to say it. If you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, which is the way that the Bible says we must be baptized, you cannot expect to be saved. And I would not leave this morning until I had done it. Uh, the Bible says in John 3, 5, this is Jesus speaking, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That phrase, born of the water, it literally means to come out of the water. So you must go down into the water and come out of the water uh, for baptism to be done the biblical way. And Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And that word, uh, baptized, it comes from a Greek word, baptismos, which literally means to be immersed or submerged under the water so sprinkling is not baptism if you have been sprinkled I want you to know that you have not been baptized the way that the Bible says we must believe it is there anybody that still believes that this morning nobody in the baptized uh, nobody in the Bible was sprinkled the Bible does not say he that believeth and is sprinkled shall be saved but it says he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved so how do we be baptized give me Matthew 28 19 it says go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost I've heard people say, you know, I was baptized Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, just like the Bible says, I'm good to go. But if you have not been baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost, then you have not been baptized correctly. Because when I look at that scripture, when it says the name of the Father, to me that means the Father must have a name. And when it says of the Son, that implies the Son has a name. And when it says the Holy Ghost, that means the Holy Ghost must have a name. So quickly, I'm hurrying. Let's find the name of the Father. John 
John 5 43 this is Jesus speaking this is red letter in your Bible it says I am come in my father's name and you receive me not and John 10 30 says I and my father are one and John 14 verses 6 through 11 says Jesus saith unto him I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me if he had known me you should have known my father also and from henceforth ye know him and I've seen him and the Bible says Philip saith unto him Lord show us the father and it sufficeth us listen to the scripture Jesus saith unto him have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me he that has seen me hath seen the father and I'll say thou then show us the father I want you to know that the name of the father is Jesus so what about the name of the Son? Mark 1, 1, if you want a scripture, says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is not one that many people have a hard time believing. Um, it is widely accepted throughout Christianity. And you will find it over 20 times in the gospel that Jesus is referred to as the Son of God. So what about the name of the Holy Ghost? Give me John 14, 26. Once again, this is red letter in your Bible. This is the words of Jesus Christ. He said, but the comforter, which is, it's right there on the screen, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. So I want you to know that the name of the Father is Jesus, and the name of the Son is Jesus, and the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. And if you want to be saved, you've got to be baptized in the only name that can save you, because the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and the Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run in and are saved if you want to be baptized you don't need to go to your grandma and ask how she did it you don't need to go to your friends and ask how they did it but you need to go to the Word of God and see what Jesus said about baptism and in Acts chapter 2 they were baptized in the name of Jesus in Acts chapter 8 they were baptized in the name of Jesus in Acts chapter 9 they were baptized in the name of Jesus in Acts chapter 10 they were baptized in the name of Jesus in Acts chapter 16 they were baptized in the name of Jesus and in Acts chapter 19 they were baptized in the name of Jesus if you want to be saved you've got to be baptized in the only name that can save you come on I hope this is not too simple I hope this is not too simple for a Sunday morning hallelujah you can be seated we can't get too far beyond uh, remembering that Jesus said you must be born again. Jesus was with the disciples and he asked them, he said, whom do, whom do men say that I am? They went through a list and say, some say you're Elias, some say you're this prophet and you're that prophet. And Jesus looked at him, he said, but whom do ye say that I am? Peter said, we believe that you're the Christ, the son of the living God. So he showed that he had a revelation of who Jesus is. And Jesus said, because you understand this flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. I want you to know that if we understand that, if we really have a revelation of who Jesus is, it's not because we're smart, it's not because we're good, and it's not even because we've heard it a million times, but it's simply because God allowed us to have a revelation and an understanding of who he is. So, this promise that I'm talking about, the promise of the Holy Ghost, what I love about it, it's not a promise that is dependent upon your ability, but it is a promise that is only dependent upon your obedience to the Word of God. The Virgin Mary, 
she was told she was going to deliver a promise, and she said, how can this be? Because I've never known a man. In other words, how can this be? Because this is something that has never been done before. Uh, and we always want God to work in a way that we understand and that we can think logically and, and rationally about. But really, the best type of faith requires operating in things that we do not understand. And the Bible says that the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. This is the angel speaking to Mary. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee. So the promise that you're about to give birth to. Uh, it shall be called the Son of God. So why is this important to us? It's important because Mary could give birth to the promise without the help of a man. Because the promise was not based upon her ability. And the promise was not based upon what she could understand or control. And no man could open that door for her to birth the promise. The only thing that could do that was the power of the Holy Ghost. And somebody here today, you need to realize that your promise is not based upon your ability. And your promise is not based upon what you can understand or control. But your promise is simply based on the fact that God is a promise keeper and that God is a covenant keeper. Let me quickly get some help on the music, please. Uh, one more time, I want to go back to Isaiah chapter 66. This is the Lord speaking, who hath heard such a thing, who hath seen such things. Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. In other words, uh, don't forget, don't think that my promise and my word is bound by an earthly concept of time. And the more spiritual a promise is, really the less that promise lies within the confinements and the chains of time. Sometimes uh, we just do everything we know to do and then all we can really do is wait upon God. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the promise is not bound by time, but the promise is only bound by our obedience. God is faithful. God is just. We just have to obey his word. Stand with me. I'm closing. The Bible says, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. So they're looking for this strength. He said, we just don't have the strength to do it. I don't know how we're going to do it. But the Bible says that when they begin to travail, that's when they receive the strength to birth the promise. If you want to birth the promise, you've got to be willing to travail for it. It's got to be something that gets down on the inside of us. Uh, Elijah travailed in prayer seven times before he saw the cloud of rain, which was bringing God's promise to pass in his life. And travailing is hard work. Travailing is not easy. Um, it's getting down. It's digging out the promise. It's digging out what God has given you. And the Bible says that they shall not labor in vain nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And verse 24 of Isaiah 65 says, It shall come to pass that before they call, before they even call upon me, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. I want you to know he knows where you're at today. And he knows every single need that is in this building today. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me. And I will hearken unto you. 
If you want to give birth to the promise, you've got to be willing to travail for it. There's people here today. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes quickly. There's people here today who need the Holy Ghost. There's people who you know you're not at the place you should be with God. And there's people who need healing. And there's people who need deliverance. And you need to be set free from some things in your life. I want you to know that this altar is open right now. If we come to this front, whatever you need, I don't care what the situation is. I don't care what the problem is. God is a deliverer and God is a way maker and God is a healer let's come to this front let's seek the face of God let's commit ourselves to do better come on this altar is open right now if you've got a need I've got